back again. Jeremy, we're back again. It's our weekly theme song. Yeah, maybe I'll just start doing that. <laughs> I, I'm in. I'm in. I think I want to record them all and then at the end make it like a mega mashup something or other. I had someone give me feedback this week that was like, I don't like your theme music. I'm like, oh, you don't know what it's from, do you? And she's like, nope. I'm like, okay, well, it's not changing. (laughs) Does she like the outro music? Because the outro music's so good. Loves the outro music. (laughs) Okay, okay. I can understand not, I mean, once you're in the danger zone, though, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I'm going to go into some weird rant about young people, and I don't want to do that. I mean, I I do I do kind of want to do that, but I'm not going to do that. It was a uh, young person, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, listen, we've got um, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting week, man. I'm so excited to see how this worked out because we've had a really weird back and forth. But before we get into top five stuff, I cannot tell you how excited I am for what you watch because I watched the trailer, really? buddy. I've watched this trailer four times. Oh, it wow. is. Just delightful. And I can't wait to see your memory of it because I was trying to figure out how old you were when you saw it. And I was hoping that it was literally right when it came out, Jeremy. It might have been. I cannot. I can't say, by the way, none of these am I sure if I saw them in the theater or not. But I know that I've seen Runaway, A, a lot of times, B, when I was pretty young, and C, realized that I don't really remember very much of it. Other than probably what's in the trailer. Perfect. Then we saw the same movie. So, uh, but I, I can't wait to go through this. So, why don't we do? Tell me, what should I watch? For anyone new, I'm Jeremy. I'm the Gen Xer of our little crew, JT, my millennial buddy. Uh, he had the privilege of growing up with 500 channels to watch and move straight into the streaming generation, whereas I had like three channels in like 16 color graphics and it was just terrible. And then when something came on TV, they ran repeats of it like forever. So I pick a movie from my memory that I know I saw a lot of times, try to remember what it's about. JT meanwhile watches the preview and here we go. So JT, the movie of of, of the week is Runaway. It has a smashing Metacritic score of 50, which means it's half good. It's not bad. No, no, it's it's bad. So December 14th, 1984, uh, starring a G.W. Bailey, who a lot of people probably don't know, but he was in a lot of 80s movies. I think probably best known for the Police Academy movies. It had Kirstie Alley. Uh, it had Cynthia Rhodes who as the lead female, and her only next real movie was uh, she was the – Blonde girl in Dirty Dancing who got uh, who, who had a situation to that that baby helped her out with. <laughs> got it. That one, and most importantly, well, no, I'm going to go with second most importantly, Tom Selleck. Most importantly, this movie stars Gene Simmons, like yeah. from Kiss. That that guy, and if you've ever seen a picture of Gene Simmons, you already know he plays the bad guy. Because <laughs> no disrespect to Mr. Simmons. He just looks like he might play a bad guy. Uh, sort of like, oh my gosh, I forgot the actor's name. The guy who plays Mike in Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Uh, um, hmm. You don't watch those shows? I don't watch Better Call Saul. Did you watch Breaking Bad? Only part of it. What? How? What do you mean? What happened? Yeah, I didn't get to the part where I died yet. Oh, well, neither did any of our listeners. 
Because I was about to say we should just keep this a little bit in, but I think at that point you probably can't. No, Mike was the... Wait a minute. No, we can absolutely leave this in because Breaking Bad has been off the air for a decade. I think it's totally reasonable to be spoiled. Ooh. I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Maybe maybe just blur... Maybe when you go back, as you're, you are the master editor, blur out the, the name of the character that you just said. Perfect. And... Let's just move on because no one wants to hear the rest of this. But seriously, dude, how did you not finish? Watch? I don't. How? Why? It's it's a good show. It, it is. I got to it late. It's just one of those shows that I got to late. And so I was watching it on my own because it's not a show that like I would want, like my wife could be bothered. And it was just one of those things where like, you know, when I had time, I would like throw it on the iPad and watch an episode or two. And I got through and it was like. It's good. I want to finish it. I've always wanted to finish it. But it's when you walk away from something like that, it's really hard to walk back because you forget Fair. stuff. And so I unbinged it for part of this. And it was a total mistake. I didn't mean to. I just got really busy or whatever. And then tried to watch it. And I was disoriented. And I'm like, oh, no. And then I like couldn't remember where I, where I was. So I didn't even necessarily know to go back. And I was like, oh, boy. It was a whole thing. I think you can drop in at like mid season two because that's about where it really picks up all the way to the end. And I think the first half of season two, like so many shows, the the sophomore slump thing. So uh, can you watch Breaking Bad before you watch with the runaway? Because <laughs> trust me, it's better. Uh, well, yeah, that's a guaranteed yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I was going to make, I was trying to reference the guy who plays Mike, uh, who just won an uh, uh, Emmy for his performance in Better Call Saul. And deservedly so. But he's one of those guys he oh, looked like he's going the bad guy. No, not Odenkirk. The other guy. This is very embarrassing at this point. <laughs> We're going to move on. Anyhow, some actors look like they would be better off as the nice guy. And some actors look like they'd be better off as the bad guy. That's all I was trying to say. But we are, we are clearly stretching to make time. Just kidding. Here's the craziest thing about the crew here. Uh, I mentioned already a young Kirstie Alley. This movie was directed by Michael Crichton, the author of... Jurassic Park and every other book you've ever read in an airplane. Every book ever. He he yeah. is the ultimate, like literally, he is the ultimate airplane book guy. <laughs> right. And he also directed one of his own book to movie adaptations called Andromeda Strain, which was quite good. And actually in in uh in COVID era would probably do great as a reboot, although freak everybody out. So uh but but good book. Anyhow, clearly realized his writing outperformed his directing and went back to that. So ready for some stuff about Runaway. Here's what I got. Again, I'm going to let you down a little bit, but you saw the preview, so we'll, we'll get to judgment. This is sort of your typical, like, bad guys have a plot and technology's used and the technology runs amok kind of movie. Selick is some kind of cop, maybe like a special operations or like shuts down robots unit. I don't remember if this is set in the future and there's lots of bad robots. I think there is. I think this is a robot-filled future. And so maybe he's like the shut down the bad robot squad, like the bomb squad, but but with robots. And yeah, I think the movie opens with him defusing some like bomb robot, uh, suicide robot bomber thing, maybe some like in a mall or in an office building. Anyhow, at this point, from this point to the rest of the movie, it's mostly your sort of typical '80s buddy cop ish kind of movie. But the buddy's actually, and I, I'm saying this on purpose, so don't don't hang me. Quote just a woman. And that's like air quotes because it's the 80s and that's how they cast women in 80s movies. It's not correct at all, but that's how it was. So we're, we're just going with that. 
So it's basically Tom Selleck is a cop with robots movie. I think maybe he might be like a widow and he sort of starts to like her and they sort of like him. And that's probably a romantic subplot at some point. I don't know. In the mid-1980s cop action romp, robots aren't just a real thing. They kill. And because killer robots, we got to have them. So Selleck is like a killer robot hunter, typical in every way. But again, Gene Simmons, the Gene Simmons and he's not wearing any of the kiss makeup, but sure looks mean. Like he summons his meanest face. I don't exactly recall what kind of plot he has. He's like a bad guy doing bad guy stuff, but with robots, maybe for the money, maybe for power, maybe a revenge. Either way, he's got like these spider bot things. Really, really scary to 11 year old me. Like really scary looking robots. So like those uh, Cambridge robotics uh, dog things, um, but with spiders and red eyes. It was awful. And they can climb on walls and stuff, and they're remote controlled. Though, if I'm being honest, I don't recall them actually having remote controls. I don't remember how he controlled the killer robot spiders. I don't know if that's in the trailer or not. I don't know if they're just AI killer spider robot thingies, but they're killing. And they're, and they're I don't know, taking names, stealing money, getting drugs. Maybe they rob a bank. I don't know. A whole movie later... It ends where Selleck is basically surrounded by all these bad spider things. I think the final action sequence is in like a like a factory or or maybe a robot construction plant. That's feeling kind of right. And needless to say, Tom Selleck does what he does best. He charms his way out of this. No, actually, he shoots his way out of the situation. And there's conflict and robots and I want to rock and roll all night and kill every day. So... Simmons gets the girl, then, you know, against the 80s, so Selleck saves the girl. All I'm just saying is don't watch it for the plot. Watch it for the killer spider robots, and then go enjoy a, a Selleck waterfall sandwich. <laughs> Run away out. I don't know. It, 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 it's, like, such a blur because I'm pretty sure every major plot point is, like, your most generic beat ever. Yep. But with, with robots and Gene Simmons. So would you watch... Killer Spider AI robots Gene Simmons do their bidding kind of movie. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I have an answer for this one. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> Tell me about like, that preview, buddy. Gene Simmons is terrifying, right? Like he's terrifying. Like it took me a full like beat or two, and then all of a sudden, just a, a wave of oh my god, it's Gene Simmons came over me. And then every subsequent scene thereafter he was in, I got real uncomfortable. I didn't like it. He's got like this. He yeah. He's got like dead eyes or something. I and, and and I don't know what they do, but they make his head look huge throughout the movie. I don't think they do anything. I just think his head is huge. The thing that so Jonathan Groff in the in Hamilton. I know this is weird, but bear with me for a minute. Well, no, most people who think of killer spy, spider robot movies obviously Ooh. reference Hamilton. Uh, clearly, obviously, it's a very direct correlation. The reason I thought Groff was so amazing in his performance, specifically the one that was filmed that has since you know blown up on Disney Plus, is because he doesn't blink. Like when he's singing, his he mm. doesn't blink, so it's True. piercing. And in all of the scenes that Gene Simmons, he's just staring almost dead into camera, which you're like, you're not supposed to do because, you know, he's not an actor, but just staring without blinking. And then he has like the most absurd hair. He has like the Wall Street hair, which is real odd. Yes. And his suit is like really misfitting. And I don't mean like he's wearing an 80s suit. I mean, like he's wearing a suit in the 80s. That's an 80s suit that also doesn't fit. Like it didn't make sense. None <laughs> of it was working. 
Um, and then the, there's like a futuristic gun that had like six layers to it. And I didn't for no reason because it wasn't like it needed a clip. Then there's a there's a, a shot like a, a camera shot as the bullet that literally just looked like somebody running through a restaurant with a handy cam. The whole thing was absolutely spectacular and delightful and could not have screamed more 80s. And my big question this week for you, Jeremy, is did baby Jeremy think robots could be evil because of this movie or did Transformers have you so fixed that you knew that they were okay? Also, did Transformers exist in 1984? I actually don't know. No, I, I, if, I, if, if memory and random recent uh, Googling of stuff were called, I think Transformers is 86. So okay. this is pre-Transformer. No, we weren't scared of robots in the early 80s because you also had like the Rocky Four. really, we- I don't know if you ever saw that, but the really weird, uh, yeah. Stallone has this, I don't know, it's like a bot. It's like an ad, I don't, it's like, an, it's like a, a homemade robot. Yeah. I don't mean like a homemade, I mean like a maid of your home. Right. <laughs> it's probably also homemade now that I went there. This, yeah, this movie sort of one of those it should have just been like a kiss video yeah right yep. yeah for sure so i mean basically the other things that struck me so i robot this is like i robot right by the, by the way i remember the gun right now the gun is like the robot killing gun it's got like i want to say in, in modern terms because people know you it would probably have been like an emp style gun like it, yeah. it shoots a little some kind of techno bullet Something, yeah, kill, it's crazy. Gotta kill the robots somehow, JT. It's crazy, but there's all this, like, first of all, I couldn't believe Kirstie Alley was, like, Kirstie Alley doesn't get billing in the trailer because she's not a star yet. To me, she's That's clearly right. a star, and I already forgot the actress's name that you said didn't go anywhere after this, but I was like, how did she get billing over Kirstie Alley? Uh, but yeah, the, the weirdest thing for me is, like, literally, like, 17 seconds into the trailer, I'm like, okay, so iRobot. Like, this is, iRobot's just, like, a newer, more thought-out version of this, I guess. The robot scenes in this are hysterical. I mean, hyster- like it, it almost looks like you can see the person on the other side pulling the string to make the robot chase after you. Like it's real fun. It's real fun. I just need you to know that 11, 12, 13, and 14-year-old me, because I probably saw it for years, uh, d- disputes you and you cannot possibly convince me that the robot effects were not brilliant because all I remember is these very realistic seeming robots. So yeah. I refuse and- to accept that it was camp. And that's fine. And then uh, you should never watch this trailer again, uh, much like I will never watch Secret of the Use. And and we'll just agree that this lives on in your brain as it is forever. <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely watching the trailer next. All right. Next up, you have your choice again for next week. Uh, I have two that I put to the top of my list in totally randomly different genres. But the first one is a movie called FX. I brought it up before, I believe. You brought it up before. And you have not seen that one, right? Sure haven't. The other one is, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, with C. Thomas Howell, Soul Man. Oh, Soul Man I've seen. Soul Man you've seen. Okay. Have you seen, did we already bring up Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood? No. All right. So your choices are FX with uh, Brian Dennehy, who I recall you liking for some reason. I do like Brian Dennehy. uh, Yeah. Or uh, Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood. You know what? We've brought up FX a couple times, and because I brought up yeah, Brian Dennehy, most recently came up because he was the father in Romeo and Juliet. So let's ah. do let's do FX. You got it, buddy. Perfect. There was a sequel, even I can't wait to talk about. It. I loved FX. FX is a movie. I actually, it might still be terrible, but I I know this movie. I will forget all of the major plot, but I love this movie. 
Yeah, that's fine. That's totally right. reasonable. And that's why I, I think that's why I want it because like <laughs> you've brought it up multiple times and like, it, it, like obviously this is a visual medium. You're visibly excited when we talk about it. So I'm excited Ooh. to hear you talk about it. So that means that we'll move into our top five. So last week, Jeremy sprung the top five movies based on a video game. That was Jeremy's choice. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. Well, the, the fun behind the scenes of this is that I can't tell you how excited I am for, for this top five because when you said it last week, my immediate thought went to, this is going to be impossible. And then I started to think about it and I'm like, oh no, okay, this is okay. And then over the, the next the course of the next six days, got a text from you every day of you basically going, I don't like this list. This list is, this is hard. This is like, this is not, this is not as much fun as I wanted it to be. <laughs> well, it was more that it just, there was no, you know, good movies. And so the advice that some, uh, some people or feedback that a couple of people sent me in was you guys are just more fun to listen to when you like all the content. And so I'm realizing I'm not going to try to fake it for resident evil 17, like just right. not going to happen, which by the way, just a classic of the series. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although when they did the claymation one, was that thir- 13? That was pretty good too. Uh, yeah. So I sort of started pulling audibles and the first one was how about in addition to video games, let's just throw in board games too. And JT was like, all right, fine. Uh, Cause I'm sure he managed to get to five somehow. Um, although I'm curious about that. So then I started doing board games and no joke, I got one more entry. <laughs> uh, and there is something that, that right now, if you've heard that, you might be like, wait a sec, there's a pretty good board game movie that's actually had sequels and stuff that you might not be recalling at this moment, Jeremy. But the truth is that that movie is based on a book and the board game that the, that is referenced was created after the book, not, therefore the story is not based on the board game. So I was sitting on two entries in my in my list as of like I don't know midday Tuesday, and I go, "Hey JT, I got I got an idea. I got I got a, I got a, I got a little twist for you if, if you're up for it." And JT said, "Sure." So here's my little twist. Is is now the time? Well, I mean, do we need to Shawshank before we do the twist? Because I mean, I feel like we should at least get the Shawshank out of the way. I got no Shawshank, so whatever you want. Yeah, okay. So the, very quickly, the Shawshank rule is, you know, Shawshank's the most watchable movie of all time. Is there a movie that automatically goes to the top of this list? To your point before, literally what I wrote to myself is there's the pool is not deep enough, so there's just no diving in this pool because there's no Shawshank. Like, it's not. It's just simply there's not enough movies to pick from. So with that said, okay. I'm very excited. Tell me the twist. What's going on? So the twist I came up with, to stay true to theme as much as I could, was not just movies based on video games, but movies whose entire storyline slash plots are so heavily intertwined with video games that one could call it almost inseparable from being uh, in video game land. So I love that. I'm, right. I'm, he- I'm here for it. And my entire Pong list, and by entire, I mean four, all of them are movies that, fall into that category that I was like, if I was not, if this is what I would have done, if I could have extended this, this concept just a little bit further. So that's totally perfect. So now I'm actually excited to see which of yours are on my Pong list. And I think my top five will just not be on your list at all. <laughs> well, it's, it's, yeah, I, I can't imagine the, the list has a lot of variants. It's not, 
this is yeah this is a thin so it's a it's a tough draft here i'm just gonna say that like yeah no it's fair but i'm dickens I'm ex- I'm excited though. So I I genuinely don't remember who went last week. I think I started, so I think that means you. Uh oh, I I put in that you are Do I have this wrong? I thought it was your turn, sir. Oh, I'll happily um, go first. Let's, yeah, I'll yeah. I'll go first. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm going to go my number 1 came out November 2nd, 2012. I don't know, Resident okay. Evil? Oh. No. Nope. Okay, go on. Uh I'll give you Mindy Kaling. Uh, okay, go on. Uh, directed by Rich Moore. I don't think that's going to help. 72% on Metacritic. Oh, this is based on a video game? It is. It's definitely not. What's the year? 2012? 2012. So this is my only entry that is like a little bit left of center from what All we right. talked about. All right, go for it. I want to hear this one. So I'll give you the, the trivia, the one one piece of trivia. There is graffiti all throughout this movie that are like quiet little nods to other video games. Mm, nope, nothing. I'm going to give you one more. There's 188 yeah. classic video game characters throughout the movie. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it's Pixels, which I did not see. Absolutely not. I, I, it's one of the only movies I've turned off in the past 10 years. Okay. Well, that's how bad that bad. movie was. Yeah, I was going to say, I, didn't, I couldn't have imagined it having like a 70 plus nothing. No. no. Should okay. I know this? Are you, you're saying yeah. I should know this. This, this. There's a sequel, and I almost used this movie twice. <laughs> I'll right. just tell you. There's, yeah, go. Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, it's funny. I had Wreck-It Ralph on the in in my like yeah okay go okay so this is just a genuinely really good movie to watch some of the fun trivia that i mentioned before so there's graffiti all throughout this world if you're paying attention leroy is on the on the wall at one point which is from world of warcraft um Aerith lives from final fantasy 6 is there all your base are belong to us is graffitied in one of the stations which is really cute like i mentioned 188 different video game characters uh, so favorite video game references in this person, like these are personal ones. So cyborg does Kano's signature fatality move on the zombie during the, when they're actually sitting in oh. that little scene, which yeah, is yeah. awesome. And that's such a good, awesome little nod to, to something without it being avert. Um, the other one is when they first open this, they, it opens on Felix's apartment and there's a waterfall and it's actually a spot for spot uh, from, from Zelda from Legends of Zelda. So it's Link's Waterfall, which I thought was really cool. And then my favorite one, and it's genuinely, this is like a triggering audio effect. When he's looking for a medal in the like lost and found, he pulls out an exclamation mark. And when he does that, it makes the Metal Gear Solid sound from when Mm -hmm. you get spotted. And that is like, that is a visceral response to like preteen JT playing Metal Gear Solid and hearing that noise and knowing you've been spotted, it actually triggers me, like in a funny way. That's awesome. The only other piece of trivia I thought was really interesting is the principal voice actors in this actually recorded together and they they improved a ton, which yeah. is very weird for an animated film. Very weird. Very, yeah. very weird. Uh, so, you know, I, I could have done one or two. I almost did one and two as two separate entries because of how thin the pool is here. Uh, but ultimately... It's a great, great movie. They're both really fun. I actually I think the second one's really good too, which is kind of rare. Uh, John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman are the perfect roles for this. 
Like the voices that they lend to this, I think are so perfect. I also happen to love John C. Riley. Um, but this is like a really good blend of kid and adult humor, in my opinion. Like you can watch this with any sure. age range and it's, it's enjoyable. It's fun. It's kind of like, there's lots of colors and stuff. So like little kids can watch it, but also there's good nods. Uh, and then lastly, you know, there's like good messages for kiddos in this without it bashing over the head and being like, oh, okay, I have to learn a lesson right now. Like they're sort of more subtle, but they're built in. And it's just like a lovely film. They're both lovely films. Like they're just fun to watch. And I really like them. Can't argue with that. But I will give you a sad piece of trivia. Leroy Jenkins was entirely staged. Really? Enti- it just came out this week. Like there was an interview with the creators of it. There had been rumors and apparently they fully fessed up. Like the whole thing was satire. No. Yeah, I didn't read it. That's all from the headlines. So maybe that's not quite true. I don't want to be like, this is a pure fact, but that was definitely in my feed of things to be reading uh, this week. Interesting. So, I'll, you know what? I, lo- I love it anyway. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't matter. It's still a great, whether yeah. it's real or staged, it's still great. Um, Agreed. And I like Wreck-It Ralph. I actually, funny enough, just saw it in the last year and I haven't seen the sequel yet. Oh, the sequel's so good. It's so good. They're the both really good. I heard, I heard is that the uh, the Emoji movie is basically just a really terrible version of Wreck-It Ralph 2. That is basically the truth, although I have... Yeah, no, that's the truth, now that I think about it. They're the exact same thing. Cool. All right, well, I'm going to do my first on my list that I know you know is coming, so I'm just going to get it out of the way. Sure. Sitting in Metacritic at a good old 58. Can I just say Mortal Kombat? Okay. It was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. So yet another Anderson director in the mix. Yep. He, by the way, directed uh, Aliens vs. Predator and Resident Evil 1 through something. He's, he dropped out after a certain point. It stars Bridget Wilson from Billy Madison, now married to Pete Sampras fame. Talisa Soto from one of the Bond movies. And, of course, Christopher Lambert, who is yep. Highlander. And I love that. Here's some cool stuff for you. Mr. Steven Spielberg was going to cameo in this movie because he loves the game so much. And the only reason it didn't happen was a schedule conflict that emerged during filming. So Mr. Spielberg is sort of loosely attached to Mortal Kombat. I'm just going to leave that there. Perfect. Uh, Raiden, the Christopher Lambert's character, was actually supposed to be played by Sean Connery, also from Highlander. Weird. That? Yeah. Very that would have been weird. The last uh last interesting thing of note is the soundtrack, according to the 2011 Guinness Book of World Records Gamers Edition, uh, it was the most successful video game spin-off soundtrack album of all time. It was the first EDM record to go platinum in the United States. That I I believe for sure. So that's a little Mortal Kombat trivia. And I'm going to stand up for the movie for a second. It's basically, now given that that the 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 rung we put it in is your sort of typical action movies. Wasn't super high budget, wasn't super high cast. So sort of just in the middle pool of action movies. And I'm going to argue from that perspective, the plot holds up, the character motivation holds up, there's character arc. The performances are not amazing, like, but there's also not that much, there's not enough going on to give them the room for that. And so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of point the finger a little bit at the scriptwriter for not having a lot of depth to stuff. And it is basically fight scene to fight scene to fight scene to fight scene. 
but I could argue that's sort of most action movies. Yeah. And so I'm going to go with most of Mortal Kombat holds up as a, as a just straight up good action flick. And even if you weren't a fan of the video game in that, in that genre, in that category should be quite enjoyable. It's a hell of a lot better than crawl. I'll say. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I actually watched the trailer for this again, just because I knew this was going to be on your list. And it's, it's what I remember, but also I then watched another trailer that I'll talk about later and went, yeah, you know what? This movie was actually pretty good. Like it was, fun. Like, I, <clears throat> no, it is. I'm, I'm going to backtrack. Like it, listen in the, in the scheme of all movies, it's not good, but in the scheme of like what it was, it's exactly what it was supposed to be. Yeah. In, in the scheme of all movies, it's a solid 58. <laughs> it's probably right. Yeah. It's appropriately rated for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm down for it. I, I'm here for Mortal Kombat. I would probably watch that again, actually. I kind of want to now because I feel like it, it'd be funny. Well, I just rewatched it about three months ago for the first time in maybe 20 years. And I certainly was, it, it was a little, you know, cheesier than I recall. But I will say most of it held up pretty darn well. It was a lot of fun to rewatch. I'll show it to my kids eventually. It has like it has guilty pleasure movie written all over it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's 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 just good enough and it doesn't do anything wrong enough that it can be a guilty pleasure movie and I feel like everyone should be like, "Yeah, that's a fun guilty pleasure movie." Like that's cool. There's not much hinkiness, I'll tell you that much. Well, there's not much room for hink, I think, based that's- on based on it, but that's okay. <laughs> You're almost about to get a little susical there. Not much room for hink, I think. Almost. Um, almost. You hink with a link when you hink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what you got, buddy? All right, I'm gonna start from my. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in order of lowest Metacritic score. <laughs> <laughs> so, By the way, the lowest on my list. Let's let's do this one really. Quick. What is that number? Oh, 36. Oh, oh, I got a 39. So I have a 36. I have a 39. I have, the highest one was 72. The next highest one's 53. So it's gonna be good times. I, I get all the way up to a 77. All right, what's up? What you got though? Let's hear it. Okay, so this came out on March 16th of 2018. Okay. Uh, I will give you Jeremy Irons. Well, I know he was in the original Dungeons and Dragons movie. <laughs> it's not that one. <laughs> so we're yet also in Die Hard with a Vengeance. So, uh, you know, I like Jeremy Irons and his uh, weird movie choices. I love Keep Jeremy going. Irons. Uh, Justin Kurzel is the director. Like I said, 36% on Metacritic. So here's the, I guess this is the big trivia piece would be the film has the highest free fall performed by a stuntman in over 35 years at 125 feet. And that's actually like a decent hint based on the kind of game it is and movie it turned into. It's not the one with, it's not, is The Rock in it? The Rock is not in it, no. It's not Rampage. No, it's Michael Fassbender is the is the big name attached. Mm. Oh, uh, is this Assassin's Creed? Assassin's Creed. N- never played nor saw it. Okay, so <laughs> that's totally fair. So the the quick trivia of this that that is impressive: eighty percent of this film was shot on camera and doesn't have any CGI in it. Which, if you've seen the movie, or even if you just watch the trailer and no, think of that, trailer, as the, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. Um, they took these, I pulled three things out specifically for you. Uh, it took three months to handcraft the, the assassins uniforms and they were done by hand. Aguilar's costume was manually built. It was built of over 6,000 gems in order for them to do it all individually stitched. 
And lastly, Ubisoft gave a book to the filmmakers uh, for the prop team that had every single weapon in it. Wow. And it had not only scale and draw, but also purpose, intent, and like a backstory for each of them. All right. Very Peter Jackson-y. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I had been a, a gamer of this, this game just sort of slipped through my timing of when I was playing games. But it was one yeah. of those, like, I've heard everything great about the game. I should probably just start playing one of them. And yeah. then, uh, I'd watch it. You should. So the the series, there's like nine of them now, which is crazy. But like I played the first three because I was still gaming at that point in my life when these came out. And like they were like game changers, like no pun intended. And they were really, really like just <clears throat> like fun games. So I'm going to defend this movie a little bit, though, because I, I think this, this <laughs> Metacritic number is actually really garbage. So here's the thing. I'm going to give I'm not going to give anything away. But like one of the major premises of this story is that there's genetic memory. And so they use this as a plot device where your ancestors' gene, like gen- memory lives in your genes. And so they hook you up to this magic machine. All of that aside, this magic machine where my, Michael Fassbender is actually experiencing his, uh, his ancestors' memories in real time and they can see it and then visualize it, that's actually like a really clever plot device for time slipping. Like, and I don't think that gets credit. Like that's kind of smart. Like aside yeah. from the evolutionary psychology part of my background that like really likes the idea that you can imprint on DNA and blah, blah, blah. Like that's also kind of fun and neat. But like realistically, that's a really cool mechanism for time slip. And they used it relatively well. I'll, I agree. The story was missing some setup. The original was like two hours and 20 minutes and they turned it down to 140. And as much as I'm genuinely against the two hour barrier for most stuff, this is one of those ones where if you're going to set up a franchise, it probably was worth the time. Because they oh, yeah. did just do oh, yeah. a lot of jumping into stuff that would have probably, it would have been good for you to give a little more background on some of these characters and how some of this stuff came together. But ultimately, like, this is a really good sit down boy movie. Like, I don't want to be weird. Oh, yeah. I don't mean that in a negative way, but just like it's action and it's fast and there's like random sort of plot stuff happening and the story is fine and who cares? It's just fun and yeah. it's, there's not, again, similar to what I said with Mortal Kombat, there's not enough holes to not like this movie. It, if someone like took a hard stance that it's a great flick, that'd be a problem. But right. to, say that it, to say that it's not better than some of the other stuff that lives in the 30s on Metacritic, I think is genuinely unfair. All right. I'm curious. So one of the things I like about the Mortal Kombat movie is they, they touch on a lot of uh, game trivia, game lore, things that actually happen in the video games. They reference fatalities, all the, that kind of stuff. Uh, how well do they pay uh, homage to the game um, for a fan? So homage a lot, but it's not a direct one-to-one. They really created a story around ah, the game. Okay. Well, same yeah. for Mortal Kombat in a way, right? The whole yeah. go to this weird island and all that. All right. <laughs> I'll check. I will check that. I actually would check that out. I'm not saying like tonight, but but it it makes the cut. That's pretty a, good. At a solid 36. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll go from your 36 and I'll raise to my 39, sir. December 13th, 1985. So you're probably not going to know. You might know this movie. Oh, uh, that was, this isn't, this is a board game. Oh, okay. I actually think that the the year 1985 should be sufficient for some, someone to be guessing this. Any, any listener, especially of my, my gen, knows what movie this is. It stars Leslie Ann Warren, big from the 80s. Martin Mull, big from the 80s. Howard Hessman, big from the 80s. 
Michael McKean, oh, of Better Call Saul. Uh, Madeline Kahn, Eileen Brennan. You have none of these. You know Christopher Lloyd. I do know Christopher Lloyd. And Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Oh, wait, is this Clue? Yeah. Oh, my wife loves this movie. As well she should. Yeah, this okay. It's a fun fair movie. Enough. Now, what people today might not know is this this movie did something absolutely new in theaters in 1985, which is they filmed three different endings. And depending on which theater you went to or which, uh, which screen in which theater, you saw a different ending and only that one ending. Today, if you watch it on wherever it is, Prime or Netflix, it'll, uh, it'll include all three endings, one after the other, as, uh, and they have a good shtick about it. But at the time, that was like a thing. And people would, would compare notes like, oh, which one did you see? And people went to see it again, apparently, to see the other endings. That's which, cool. Uh, yeah, I, you know it's it's a gimmick. Um, they haven't I haven't seen a lot of uh, people try the same concept. Apparently, there were actually supposed to be four endings, but the fourth one, which they filmed, was so dark that nobody. <laughs> they were like, "We can't put this in this movie that is otherwise a fun comedy." Um, it was also supposed to have Carrie Fisher, but she also, uh, much like the other one, she had a she had a schedule conflict show up. The weird, uh, also weird cast and crew thing directed by a Jonathan Lynn, who seems best known for, he was the director of My Cousin Vinny, which is definitely one of my favorite comedies of the 90s. Sure. I like the movie because it's fun. It does, again, the right level of homage. It doesn't um, take itself seriously. I like movies that either, you either have like your, your epically Daniel Day-Lewis, everything must be done to perfection method, whatever. Or movies like this, where there's a little campiness, there's a little um, self-mocking. You know, they don't they don't go too far in it. The plot, for the most part, works. You know, it, you you can pick it apart, but it's fun. There's a lot like it doesn't um, translate to our era as well as I would have liked. There's a lot of jokes that just are very dated. But we watched. We actually did watch this one with the kids, and and they thought it was fun because we play the game, and and so that's uh, that's clue. So if you might not remember, but in episode 14, I actually had this on my reboot list of as a contender because yes. I thought it would be really fun to do this now, um, partially because it desperately needs to be updated, especially like some of the French mates. There's like a lot of stuff right. in that movie that does not hang, um, but it would be really fun. And I, I knew there were different endings. I never knew that they did it in theaters, which actually is so brilliant. That's really fun. Like what a cool thing, Speci- like specifically right now where there's a not right now, but when we get out of where we are right now, like the need to bring people back to actual theaters, that would be like a really fun little trope. I think that's great. That's a good, and I never, for some reason, this didn't click as a board game thing to me, which is really dumb because clearly it's a board game. Uh, but this, yeah, this is a great, this is a great pick. The, uh, by the way, fun trivia, they are remaking it. And per our Slack exchange, the person most attached to the remake is one Ryan Reynolds. Um, I'm it. Well, that's you just said two of my wife's favorite things: Clue and Ryan Reynolds. So we're going to see that movie. In You're going to want to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go next. Uh, we'll do March 14th, 2014. Resident Evil. No. I'm just going to guess that for all of them. That's okay. So I'll give you uh, Rami Malek, Dakota Johnson, two big names. Max Payne. Oh, Scott Waugh was the director. It has a whopping 39 on Metacritic. Uh, Battleship. Here's the, tr- 
Here's a trivia. No, that's a Peter Berg movie, and that's an absolute atrocity, but I love watching it on FX. Uh, executive producer Steven Spielberg was bin- binge-watching one of the bingiest TV shows of all time that is perfectly suited for this conversation that we're having today, and that's when he decided to cast the lead in this film. And Wait, Spielberg, what was the year? So this is 2014. Spielberg was binge-watching a show that we have mentioned multiple times on this episode. And he saw a particular actor and said, that's our guy. I'm going to cast that guy as the lead. So it's Breaking Bad? Yep. Oh, Vince Flynn. No, not no. Vince Flynn. Oh, um, but it's it's the, it's the Jesse, right? It's the... Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul, thank you. Uh, I don't know why I call him Vince Flynn. Vince from, from The Creator. I know what movie this is, and I cannot remember it for the life of me. Okay, so it Need for Speed. Uh, also... At the time, one of my all-time, video, I mean, like an all-time favorite video game. Like this game, this and Gran Turismo were were forever played for me. Because you have to remember, I love cars. <laughs> no, I know that. Did you play the, I, I want to just check in on this. Did you play the original, original Need for Speed, like when it first came out? Oh, yeah, sure did. All right. So we got a little same, same. Oh yeah, like Need for Speed. I remember. I remember when they did Need for Speed Two. I remember that they did Knockout Need for Speed. Like, there's a bunch of like, yeah. I could go pretty deep on why I love oh, this. I can't go past the first. Well, so here's the, here's the deal. This movie is basically just a more realistic version of Fast and Furious because the stuff that happens in this movie is just way more possible. Like the only scene in this movie that is a little bit like get out of here is there's this one scene. It's like a glaring exception where a U.S. Navy Apache helicopter hooks up to a Shelby GT500 that lifts it off a cliff. <laughs> but even that moment is done better than what Fast and Furious does because in Fast and Furious, somehow the car would just remain flat and everything would be fine. And in this movie, because it's hooked up, it at least like swings violently and looks like, you know, how gravity works. Um, the thing that this is just about, this is literally, this is literally just about cars. Like this is, they use shells for all the cars. There's a lot of, there's, there's not as much CGI in this as you think. Um, one of the big plot things is that you have to do kind of like a cannonball run in this. And they actually, you could have made it in the time they had. And that's a thing that was important to me. Like you could make it from where they start shooting to where they end in the time that they actually had, including this little detour that they took. Um, the finale in this is actually taken directly from Need for Speed 2, the lighthouse race, which was like a big thing. And I remember that particular board. Um, most importantly, uh, listen, Kona Sigajera, the Lamborghini Sesto Elemento, the McLaren P1, the Saline S7, the GTA Spano, which is like one of my favorite cars. The GT, GTA Spano is a, it's a Spanish car. They only make like 100 of every version. They're like $2 million and they're absolutely stunning. And then lastly, the Bugatti Veyron Sport, which in this one, if you want to be really nerdy, they painted like it was the Super Sport, which like holds all the world records for you know fastest street legal car. Um, but it wasn't because if you watch the movie, you can see that the hood scoops are on the roof and not actually fabricated into the roof. So they just painted it. Mm. All right. All right. All right. Car nerd guy. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, this is like a totally not great movie. Uh but it's fine. And if you like cars, it's fun and it's easy. It's not super long. They don't overdo it. It's a lot of dumb action sequences with fine acting and it's fun to watch. And I like this movie. It's a great FX movie. If this is on FX, I'm like, yeah, let's absolutely let TNT. Let's watch this again. Sure. Why not? That'd be a fun little addition. Like with every movie is which network should, would be the right home for this to replay yeah. constantly. Yep. So first question, this or uh, gone in 60 seconds. 
which one wins? Oh, yeah, they're totally, they're totally different movies, though. Cars, I, they're just cars, buddy. Um, you get one car six, movie. For, you get one car movie for your desert island of these two. Which is the one? Gone in sixty seconds. It has more cars. Okay. <laughs> and then I just again have to sort of react to you. How have you not seen Ford versus Ferrari? I know. It's literally, I have it on two different devices in my house. It's on a DVR and it's on my iPad right now. I just haven't sat down to do it. I mean, Mr. Carr. I know. All right. July 13th, 1984. And yes, by the way, we are just going backwards in time. I've already done my most recent movies. I'm just okay. Uh, 84 is going to be hard for me. Keep going. This, this may be, I want to know if you've seen this one, because if not, it's absolutely going to the 80s list. Uh, Metacritic of 67. Good. Directed by, wait for it, Nick Castle. No, oh, wow. not, that one. not that one. Not that one. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> um, stars a young Lance Guest and old Robert Preston. In fact, this is his final film appearance. Robert Preston was, if you've seen, I, these are his best known movies, are Victor Victoria and Music Man. But he's sort of a big actor of that prior generation a cameo by a very young, pre-famous Will Wheaton. Oh, Will Wheaton. I love Will Wheaton. <laughs> You're just going to have to keep doing that now. Will Wheaton? The visual effects, something that I kind of think is kind of cool in the 80s tech nerdy way. All of the visual effects for this movie were done by a Cray supercomputer. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you know what a Cray supercomputer is, but in the 80s, people talked about Cray supercomputers like they were this big deal. And the Cray supercomputer, which is how I'm going to keep calling it, took up like a room or half a room or something. If you saw the movie Sneakers, there's a Cray supercomputer in the movie Sneakers. Uh, it's back when like computers were really mystifying and we might have been afraid of killer spider robots. Cray supercomputers were like the big, they were like the Everest of computers and like big companies had them to do really important things. Cool. Or make, or make some CGI effects. Okay. This might have been actually, this is up there in some of the earliest pseudo CGI. They actually then made a 2007 musical about this movie. So this is one of those video game is the center plot line. Uh, the opening line, I believe is something like greetings Earthline, earthling. You've been recruited for the star force armada. Oh, is space invaders? No, but similar last Starfighter. Sure. You haven't seen it? <laughs> no. All right. So I won't talk one bit about the movie other than the basic plot is a kid in like a rural town. I could go way deeper. I'm just trying to be fast. A kid in a rural town is like a really expert at this video game that's basically a Space Invaders or Galaga-like video game. One night the game goes haywire. Turns out the game is a like a summoning beacon to find potential uh, recruits to join the Star Alliance thing. Hijinks ensue. So we'll okay. talk about Starfighter. I'll give you a, a longer, more fun, better pitch another time. This is a great childhood memory movie of mine. Uh, I actually recently rewatched re it with my buddy Jeff a few months ago. And it's good. And the video game in it is fun. And it's one of these, where is, why aren't there sequels? This could have been a franchise. So many good things about it. And upon rewatch, I will say like some of the, some of the issues of the villains, it, it, it gets a little soft around there, but it's pretty solid. 
It's pretty okay. hard, buddy. I actually think you might enjoy this movie. I, I'm pitching on, pitching you on it. I'm just telling you, it's coming. Okay, I'm excited. No, I'm excited because like you're hitting a lot of things that make me think I'd like it. So I'm in. I think you'd like it. I'm just writing it on the list right now. Perfect. Okay, I dig it. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go. So I'm sticking with my going to the next highest Metacritic, which is a 48 in this particular instance. Wow. Uh, March 16th, 2018. Is it Resident Evil? Nope. <laughs> is it Max Payne? <laughs> no. Uh, so Dominic West, Walton Goggins. Warcraft, the movie? No, but good guess because I think you're in the right time frame for that. So Roar Utag is the director. I want to say that again. Roar Utag. I mean, he's no Yui Bull, but go on. He's no Yui Bull. Uh, so the lead put on over 12 pounds of muscle in four months to get into character for this particular role. I'll give you another big hint. This is actually a remake of a movie, and they're both after the same video game. It's not a remake, actually. This is like a continuation or a different take on, a reboot, I should say. All right. Uh, keep going. Alicia Vic- Vikander is the, the lead. Oh, is this Tomb Raider? Tomb Raider. The Yeah, so this is the non- uh, Non-Jolina. Yep. Yeah, I never saw this. How was it? So Did here's the deal. <laughs> this is, a, well, it's a 48. So the plot's <laughs> like loosely ripped from a, from a 2013 reboot of, of the game. Um, this is a really good popcorn movie. This is a good popcorn action movie. Like, it's fine. Like, you know, there's, listen, was the movie predictable? Yeah. Was it new in any way? Absolutely not. Did this movie make me yearn for more of it? Nope, not even a little bit. Was this movie totally enjoyable and an easy romp on an afternoon? Sure was. It's good. This is a good movie. Um, Here's the, the the big things I will say is Alicia Vikander is actually really good in this. She saved this movie for me. Sorry, when you say it's a good movie, again, we're just, just sort of caveating by like, Sunday afternoon action movies, not oh yeah yeah yeah. Do not yeah, purchase. Yeah. Do not purchase this. Okay. Do not. This is not like a library f- thing. This is a hey. I haven't seen this and I've got nothing to do and it's on. I'll watch. It's watchable. It's a fun romp. That's. I mean, genuinely, was this movie totally enjoyable and an easy romp? That's what I wrote. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's an easy romp. That's right. the word word for word on my notes. So the the only trivia that I think is actually worth bringing up. So here's who was rumored to be in contention for this role, okay? Amelia Clark, Nina Dobrev, Emma Watson, Jennifer Lawrence, Ashley Green, Saoirse Ronan, Emily Browning, Elizabeth Olsen, Gemma Arterton, Nikki Reed, Anne Hathaway, Emily Blunt, Jessica Biel, Sienna Miller, Megan Fox, Rosaria Dawson, Summer Glau, Kate Beckinsale, Daisy Ridley, Rona Mirtra, um, Alexandra Daddario, Karis Galadio are just some of the people that were potentially attached to this at one point. That's the same list as like, we have a late 20, 20 teens, uh, we, need a, we need a youngish female. Right. So the only confirmed, those are rumored, the confirmed is Kristen Stewart turned it down and Cara Delevingne lost the rollout to Alicia. Um, the only other thought, thing I thought was interesting is, so do you know who Walter Goggins is? Oh, yeah. He's on uh, that show I like with Timothy Oliphant. Um, okay. Not Deadwood, the other, the other one. The other one. The, yeah, the yeah. one on FX. <laughs> the FX one. It's good. I'll remember so, the name somewhere over the next few minutes. 
So both Walter Goggins and Alicia were both in another action movie franchise. Can you tell me what it is? Walter Goggins and who? Uh, uh, Alicia Vikander, the, the, the lead in this. Vikander. Vikander? Vikander? I don't know. I don't know. You pronounced what I always thought was Seorzi Roman's name properly, but not this one. Uh, I, I, listen, Irish I got in the bag. I got a lot of Irish friends. Searsha I can do. <laughs> is that really how it's said? Searsha? <laughs> yeah, Searsha. Oh. No, I don't know. I like the Goggins. Uh, the Goggins is in the Bourne, in the Jason Bourne series. Both of them are. Oh. There you go. Well played. Well played. Well, our next movie will probably be about the year those guys were born. <laughs> okay. That's just a guess. Uh, June 3rd, 1983. Okay. Metacritic of 77. Okay. Di- directed by, again, a, a um, sorry, a John Badham, who was also the director of Short Circuit, which I believe you know. I love Short Circuit. All right. Uh, that was on my list, so I won't be doing that one with you. It stars Dabney Coleman, big of the 80s, huge, working nine to five, all sorts of good stuff. Ali Sheedy. Oh, I love Ali Sheedy. Yeah. And Matthew Broderick. I love him, too. Stephen Hawking was going to have a cameo in it, but they couldn't work it out. What? Ready for three young cameos? William H. H. Macy, John Spencer, and Michael Madsen. Like John Spencer from West Wing and Michael Madsen from Reservoir Dogs? Yeah. Okay. The movie is War Games. Is Okay, wait. Is this the Do You Want to Play a Game movie? Yeah, except not with the Chucky voice, but yeah. I don't know why I did it that way, but this I don't is either. <laughs> it's uh, I can't do it either, but it's more the Stephen Hawking voice than the right, yeah, JT as Chucky, which is yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna call that voice forever. I didn't want to do the robot thing because you said Stephen Hawking, and then I felt bad, and instead leaned into something worse. I'm gonna choose not to be embarrassed about it. Go ahead, Jer. <laughs> well, it's not like that's actually Stephen Hawking's voice. That's a computer. You can make fun of computers. There's nothing wrong with making fun of computers. That's like we can make fun of Alexa and Siri too, you know. That's fair. Except they all just turned on. But other than that, <laughs> no, we're definitely we definitely are in control of our technology on this planet. That's for sure. <laughs> uh War Games, you've seen it, right? I have, yeah. So great movie. I mean by the way, also in that list of you know, going going to what you were saying before about you, with the reboot of Clue, I keep having this realization. We always talk about rebooting movies. Why can't we simply use a very similar plot device and make another movie? Like when you think about Point Break, which is Fast and Furious, right? Like, why isn't there just like a War Games like movie? You know, we don't yeah. have to call it War Games the Second or War Games Two Point or War Games Ultimate Edition or whatever they would do. And I'm sure all three of those are floating around Hollywood right now. Definitely. But it's perfect timing to have a movie where like the computers take over and you know, just saying. I think uh, I think I'd like to see War Games set in 2020. The the coolest trivia I had were those three cameos, the Stephen Hawking, and here's what's here's the biggest one. You know, again, this won't impact you as much as me. Michael uh, Matthew Broderick chose this instead of choosing the role of Alex P. Keaton in Family Ties which I don't know if it's a show that you ever watched. It's probably a little before your time. Yeah. But one of the biggest sitcoms of the 80s. And that was Alex, uh, not Alex speaking, that was Michael J. Fox's big vehicle. And so uh, Matthew Broderick chose this one instead. I just thought that was kind of interesting. 
That is interesting. Yeah, uh, Family Ties is a TV Land thing for me. I remember watching it on TV Land when I was a kid. It's your. Uh, it's it's what I have is for Three's Company in Gilligan's Island. You've got Family Ties, and I'm going to go with maybe Cheers. Cheers. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. What about yeah. Uh, what about the Show Me the Smile That Cares? Not Full House. Uh, the cousins. The the Canadian guy, Alan Thick. Mm. Oh, uh, Growing Pains. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Growing Pains. Was that also in your wheelhouse? It kind of, yeah, because I, they had a kid on that show named TJ, which I remember being as a kid, like he's got initials too. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, what's up next, sir? All right, this is my last one. May tenth, twenty nineteen. I've actually been going up in years as you're going down, which is also it's funny. kind of funny. Yeah, uh, would that be Resident Evil? <laughs> no, it's still not Resident Evil. Uh, I'll give you Ken Watanabe. From Inception and, and whatnot? Yeah. By the way, so we're now confirming you've gotten five movies. You did not put the uh, first Resident Evil, because I really thought it was going to be in your list. I did but not. It's pretty, it's pretty decent. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the third one, which I did actually see, was ridiculous. Okay, 2019, Ken Watanabe. Go on. Rob Letterman's the director. It has a 53 on Metacritic, which for my list Ooh. is very, very high. It's a balmy 53. We're approaching watchable territory. <laughs> uh, the the big clue I'll give you was the entire movie was, I'm doing air quotes, leaked the day before it was released on the internet. Hmm. I feel I should really know this one, but I, but I don't. You should. We just talked about the main character, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, is this the, the Pikachu? Yeah, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Here's the thing. You have to know, Poke- uh, Gen X, we don't, we don't really know anything about Pokemon other than our children, and not mine, but many of my friends' children buy all that crap. Right. That's well, we so, so here's what's important. I have no nostalgia for Pokemon. I also missed it. I was a little too, I oh, was really? like just on the edge. Well, remember, I'm like a fringe millennial, right? So like this was, I remember kids two years younger than me being very into this. I definitely had kids my age who got into it. I was not one of those kids. I was also a precocious little brat. So that probably is part of it. But realistically, there's no like, I'm sure a lot of people who are my age who did like Pokemon probably hate this movie. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't walk into it with that. I didn't care. I was like, yeah, whatever. This is like Ryan Reynolds and it's a, looks like it's fun CGI. So cool. Um, Ryan Reynolds genuinely as much. I, I like him so much. Like I've watched RIPD twice. That movie is an atrocity. Ooh. That's how much I like Ryan Reynolds. Like, I just That's like up. him that much. Um, the only trivia that I really have. So the, the leak thing was actually that it was like one minute of the movie started and then it was an hour and 45 minutes of Pikachu dancing, which is a very Ryan Reynolds move. Like, that's <laughs> a very funny sort of like trope. Uh, it was the first movie based on a video game that, ha- that ever had a fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Um, there's a whole host of Pokemon trivia in this. I don't care. I don't. I didn't understand it. I couldn't verify it's true. I, whatever. Like if you're into Pokemon, I guess go read that. Um, what I do think is interesting from a filming perspective is John Matheson shot this movie as the DP, and he was um, he shot the whole thing on film, which hmm. is kind of crazy. Um, and he did it because it adds adds realism. If you're not familiar with his work, he's kind of a monster. He did Logan. He did Mary Queen of Scots. He did X-Men First Class. He did Kingdom of Heaven. We're going to do a nice little Nick Cage callback to the podcast here. He did Matchstick Men, which is on my list of things that Jeremy absolutely has to watch. Uh, yes. He did ha- And then Hannibal 
he also did Phantom of the Opera and Gladiator, both of which he got Oscar nomina- nominations for. But if you watch this movie, visually, this is a really, really cool movie to watch because all of the CGI that they do for the actual Pokemon, again, having no nostalgia or remembering who any of them are, I wasn't like, Charizard's the wrong color. Like, they were all fine. But it's really cool the way they kind of like manipulate the whole thing and get everybody in. I actually thought that was really neat. Uh, and then also just like, it's kind of a fun story, right? It's like, it's fun. It had genuinely funny parts. The story like was easy enough to follow and made sense. Um, a lot of kids like hated on the kid, Justice Smith, who was the actor. I actually thought he was really good. I thought he was like unassuming and kind of kind of enjoyable. Um, it's a really fun universe and it was made for film. And I thought they filmed it beautifully, which is really kind of cool. So yeah, I think it's like a good flick, man. Like it's, gen- again, on, on the scale of film, it's nowhere on that r- scale, but on the scale of like good movie to watch with your kids on a, because it's on an HBO and you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I think you probably watch it once or twice. It's like a good time. All right. All right. Fair enough. We're going back in time. Okay. To July 9th, 1982. Oh, this one. I know this one. A Metacritic score that you might not realize is low as 58. And I would argue massively undeservedly. So. I actually went doing a quick poking around to find out why. And the reasons actually are fair, but wrong. Uh, So you know what I'm talking about here? (laughs) This is Tron. This is Tron. Yeah, for sure. This is Tron. So what I was going to say is this is is the character gets into the video game. So uh, so fun trivia that also sort of brings us back to the category. The video game actually made more money than the movie made. That's funny. The film was disqualified from even being nominated for Academy Awards for special effects because in 1982 felt that the using the computers was, quote, cheating. Wild. Yeah. That is a, literally, that's a wild piece of trivia. (laughs) You've seen this one, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So did you know that they actually threw Frisbees? Like they were real Frisbees being thrown about for those discs? Did not know that. Fully real Frisbees. And I thought this is a quaint little bit that this movie is uh, what John Lasseter considers his primary influence on becoming a filmmaker. He saw Tron and wanted to make movies like Tron. And so then went off and did that whole Pixar thing and made movies like Tron. That's great. So we wouldn't have some of our Pixar favorites. Thank you, Tron. Tron. Yeah. I also saw, by by the way, so the Tron, the sequel, which I did not really care for, had a 42 on Metacritic. So neither movie well-received critically. You know, while re- I went and read the, the negative reviews, just at least the summaries, and they basically are all pretty fair. Like, lots of cool, fun effects. We haven't seen stuff like this before. The story is your basic, you know, Wizard of Oz, fantasy, Fantastic Voyage, kind of any of those tropey things. Um, and if you take out all of the visual effects, you get sort of a bad Wizard of Oz. Yep. That's a fair point, and at the time, I would understand why all reviews would read that way. I would argue that had this movie come out and would modernize the effects and whatnot in the 90s, I think most of those reviews would have gone up a few points because we started getting used to true special effects coming into. I mean, remember it's 82, right? We're just yeah. past, you know, we're we're still in Star Wars era special effects. Yep. So. I, uh, I think it's a harsh Metacritic for an otherwise fun movie. It's I have to rewatch this one. This is definitely also with the kids. My guess is it's probably not going to hold up as well as I wanted it to. Just a hunch. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. 
So I, I when when the Neutron came out again, like when the Neutron came out, I watched this one beforehand. Okay. Just and I had already seen it. It was just like, oh, this will be fun to you know. I, I I was literally curious to see how how tight they tried to bring the through line. So I was like, oh, I'll watch this one again just to like really remind myself. And so I did. And in watching it, I was like, oh man, I probably should have left this one in the vault because like I really remember liking this a lot when I was like 10, 11, 12. And at that time, you know, remember we do have a significant enough age difference that the way technology had changed, sure. this movie was super dated for me in, you know, 1995. That said, it was still good enough that I was like, oh, this is really fun. And I had seen it since. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's still good. And the nostalgics, the nostalgia is strong, but the, it leaves something to be desired because the story is pretty, pretty blase. <laughs> All right. Well, I probably... Won't rewatch it. I do like that it starred uh, David Warner, who was bad guy in a lot of other 80s stuff. Uh, Bruce Boxleitner, who's basically a good guy in most 80s stuff. And Jeff Bridges, who sort of somehow looks about the same age as he did back then. I'm not quite sure how that works. But he's, he's the dude. He's the dude. Uh, and then the last, sorry, the last thing I did, I, I forgot about was that the, because uh, you know I go there, the soundtrack, uh, the same person who wrote the, the 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 soundtrack for tron wrote the opening theme for ready player one so I oh that cool kind of neat which is neat. a that's a perfect transition because i had two movies that were on my I had three movies and you talked about uh one of them already which was tron the other one uh the other two movies i had on my like cheater contender pong list sort of thing that fell into your category but not mine because <laughs> i tried to do it a little bit more whatever by the book although there is no book was Ready Player One, which I actually thought was like a fine movie. Um, and that had a higher score than I thought it would. It had a 64, and I was like, oh, that's better than I thought you were going to be. Huh. Uh, and then the biggest departure from this was I really wanted to use Scott Pilgrim because even though Scott Pilgrim is clearly not based on a video game, it has so many video game-like references and comic-y-like references just in the way that it like is filmed and the fight scenes and the coins. It's like very arcade mm. And so I wanted to try to cheat and say Scott Pilgrim, but I didn't. I mean, I would, I would have let you. I would have let you. I actually haven't seen Ready Player One yet. I read the book and liked it a lot, and um, I, I don't know. It got like mixed reviews, but but I was just checking out really quick, and the Metacritic and, and RT on there are both pretty high. So why it's not? Pretty good. I'll give it a wing. Yeah, I've read it. I read the book. Divorce yourself from the book and enjoy the movie, and it's an enjoyable movie. Okay, done. Um, so do you have any contender pong stuff or no? Because I well, feel like I, we're <laughs> I had Wreck and Ralph. Okay. Uh I was gonna reference Jumanji, but I sort of threw that up there earlier. Yeah. And then the only one that I had that I put on here just for the funsies of it, uh, because I know you like it too, is uh Tag. Love Tag! Yeah, it's and great. It's based on a game. Yeah, that that actually you know. that would have been a really fun that would have been a really fun tie-in. I love that. So I saw. Oh, and sorry. Uh, Game night was also with uh, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman's a good one too. I didn't think yeah. of that. So I, I have one random request. Jeremy does not know I'm going to do this, but can I have the floor for like a minute and a half to rail about a movie I hate so much that belongs in this in this world? It's a. a, a what is the criteria here? It is. A, it is a video game movie that's just yep. utterly terrible. It, that, that actually, because I was looking at other stuff, I wound up watching the trailer for this, and I just, I, I, I have to say something about it. All right, sir. Uh, how long would you like on the clock? I'll give you a minute. One minute's more than enough. And go. Okay. 
Street Fighter potentially is one of the worst movies that's ever been made. <laughs> okay. Guile's an American soldier and hero who's played by a guy with one of the most recognizable accents in the world, and that is very much not an American accent. Did they address this in the movie? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think they do, and I also don't care. Ken and Ryu are two of the most iconic-looking characters in video game history. That is inarguable. Neither of them look anything like them. It made absolutely no sense. Ken is blonde. Just do the bare minimum. Ryu barely plays a role in this movie. He is clearly one of the main characters in every single aspect of the video game. It is beyond annoying. Do you remember what they made Blanca look like? Jeremy, do you remember what they made Blanca look like in this movie? It is absolutely... I'm trying to remember. Oh my, it is, it, it looks like Lou Ferrigno, but deflated. It's so sad mm. and I can't tolerate it. Dalsim was non-existent and one of the coolest characters in the actual game. And they just turned him into a scientist who kind of makes Blanca. It makes no sense. Kylie Minogue cast this Cami is among the worst casting I can think of in the history of histories. Kylie Minogue carrying around a bazooka is genuinely hysterical. It makes no sense, and <laughs> why they would put it on film is beyond me. Also, she pub- publicly apologized for making this movie. Enough said. The last thing I want to say, this movie genuinely breaks my heart. Raul Julia is amazing. He is That's one of the single best actors potentially ever. I mean, he's really that kind of special. And I don't just mean in general. He was good in this pile of trash. Like he was bringing everything he had to this to try to make it, I don't know, I guess watchable. Richard Harrington from the Washington Post said, notable for me being the last film by Raul Julia, an actor far too skilled for the demands of the evil warlord General Bison, but far too professional to give anything less than his best. It's just the that that it couldn't be said better. And in watching the trailer for this, it genuinely made me upset because he's, better than this and I, I want there to be some sort of like congressional hearing that just makes us remember him for more than this the end I'm done uh, can I give you like a little slow clap or something yeah I'll take a slow clap <laughs> that was nice dude that was nice I, uh, I, I'm i glad you went with the Raul Julia because again that's sort of one of those actors that's not quite your generation at all so right. I'm, uh, that was a nice little bit there sir I like it. But he, he was, so Adam's family was, he's obviously incredible in Adam's family, which is right in my wheelhouse. And then also my mother was really into like film. So like, I remember watching stuff with him and I remember her getting excited when he was in movies that I would watch because she's like, you don't understand how much I love this dude. He's the best. And then got older as myself and went back and watched a bunch of his stuff and went, oh no, she wasn't kidding. Like he's like Shakespearean level next, like he's otherworldly level actor. Oh, okay, cool. And then- Warlord General and Bison. Oh, why? Bison. Anyway. All right. Well, you have the podium, and it's still technically yours to choose for us next week's top five. Have you made your choice? Have you made your choice? Sure have. And it leads in, I'm going to pretend that this was intentional. Uh, I had picked this and didn't even think of this, but we're definitely doing this now. Uh, let's do the top five most underrated actors of all time. Ooh. Now I'm, I want to be clear. Actors is all inclusive. Yeah. yeah. This is, this, we're not doing actors, actresses nonsense. This is, this is the top five most underrated actors of all time. All right. So we're not, we're not doing the movies they're in. We're doing the actors themselves. Correct. So this, yeah, this is a new thing, right? We haven't really done this yet, but I want to do the actual, cause we did a little bit of this with Cage and Travolta, but I think this is a fun little trope for us. So yeah, let's do that. 
All right. Top five underrated actors. All right. Yep. I like that. I like that a lot. I got one instantly. I so we'll do I. <laughs> well, just so we're clear, JT, Skeet Ulrich is not an entry in the list. Then I don't have one. You just took my only guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to start over. So we have no... We're, we're <laughs> Skeet Ulrich. Where was that? <laughs> What was the best phrase I heard? Discount Johnny Depp. I'm like, yeah, yeah. checks out. Checks out. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about the. Uh, what about should, did, uh, Gene Simmons? Listen, no. you never know. You never listen. Next, never. it's we, we, we. Stay tuned for next week. <laughs> well, I, I hope. I don't think. I don't think it's going to be Mr. Simmons nor his. Uh, his legion and army of killer spider robots for me. I don't think so. I certainly hope it's not, but you know what? If it is, Jeremy, it'll still be a good time. Uh, this has been fun as always, and thanks for letting us be your wingman, everybody. Hey.